We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Redemption Church with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. We believe it. Hallelujah. Scott Lewis, you owe us that testimony. We want to hear it. Amen. God bless everybody. We are at Redemption Church in Plano, Texas. My name is Chris Fluitt, and I'm here to share the word of God with everybody in the room and everybody also online. We love all you guys, and we want you to receive the word of God today. I'm excited to talk to you today about plants. That's right. Plants. There was two people excited about that. Two people excited. Uh, You may not realize it, but I'm rather fond of plants. Let me explain. Maybe you'll grow fonder, too, with this explanation. I find plants to be therapeutic. I've never had a plant not be nice to me, except there was this holly that lived in front of our house that was really sticky once. Plants aren't loud. Plants don't argue with you. And you never have to tell them to clean up their room. They never pour out their entire bucket of toys in the middle of the room and just walk off like nothing happened. Come on, somebody. I deal with that every day. Y'all pray for me. But plants don't do any of that. I'm really fond of plants. Let's hear it for plants. When I'm taking care of plants, it actually allows me to clear my head. One of the times a day, you just late afternoon, get out there with that water sprinkler and then just water the grass. You don't have to do one thing. You don't have to think about anything. If you want to think about something, you can. But it's like nobody bothers you when you're messing with the yard because that's work. And they don't want to be a part of that. Or I'll tell them, hey, go pill up that weed over there. And so people will leave you alone while you're messing with the plants. Thank you, plants. Thank you. I I often find in these moments where my mind is really clear that I, I find God reveal things about my own life. And he usually reveals them as I'm tending these plants. One thing I've learned is this. I want to share with you today. Plants want to live. Can you say those words with me? Plants want to live. Anybody know what this plant is right there? Anybody know what that? That's one of my favorite little plants. It's in the begonia family. It's a really nice little plant here. It's called an angel wing. And if you look closely, it has nice little leaves with white spots on them. This was a cutting right here. This little, little guy. Uh, I didn't like the mother plant. It had this one arm that was like, and it just, I didn't like it. So I cut it off, but I didn't just cut it off, throw it in the trash. I put this in water to save it. Right? So I, I cut off that long branch. I placed that cutting in a vase of water. And what do you think that plant did? It put out, Roots, when you cut off a branch, it will start to die. It it gets its life source from those roots all the way at the bottom, other end of that plant. But now I've cut off that that life source. But that, that cut off branch still wants to live. 
When you place that cut off branch in a glass of water, it wants to live so much that it will put out roots in order to take in water in order to continue living. If you come to my house, you'll find little funny little glasses of water around the house with a plant in it. And I'm trying to see if I can get it to root. So this guy rooted, stuck him in dirt. It's an angel wing. I like this. It's really pretty. I like it. This is one of my little favorite stories right here. This came from the coast. My dad went down to the coast, Texas, and somebody had a fig tree. And my dad said, oh, I've always wanted a fig tree. And so that lady went out there and she cut off a piece of that fig tree. And he carried it all the way back to Plano, Texas, wrapped in a wet napkin, right? And so this guy came to us. And what do you notice about this fig tree? This is a tree. It's stuck into dirt, and it's about one liter of dirt. This is a really fancy uh, two-liter soda bottle cut in half. And so there is about one liter of dirt in here. And guess what? This thing wanted to live so much, it's living in one liter of dirt. How many knows that Jesus talks to us about a fig tree? And there's a fig tree that's living in a lot more than one liter of dirt. And that fig tree had been worked on and given so much, but that fig tree ended up being cursed because it did not produce. It did not bear fruit. But I want to point out that my little one liter of dirt fig tree has two figs being produced as we speak. Can we hear it for this fig tree? He's crooked, but I dare not touch him. I don't want to hurt his root structure. But I love that it's got those figs. And it just really, you know, I've always kind of felt bad about the fig tree that got cursed. But this guy puts that guy to shame. Yeah, that that guy should have have produced. And with so little, I hardly ever think about this guy. That's why he's one of my favorite plants. I like those kind of plants that they just live. They just live. So every once in a while, I water him, but this guy wants to live. Not only does he want to live, he wants to be fruitful. Isn't that great? I love that. Because inside that little cut-off branch is a desire to live. Oh, this is an interesting guy. So if there's one thing I love, it's not buying plants. Love this. So this is a leaf. You'll see this leaf. This is called a jade. It's in the succulent family. And I was walking through a Walmart, very sophisticated plant place, Walmart. And there was this leaf on the ground. And I saw that leaf and my, my life, my, my, my eyes just saw it. I'm like, well, I'm going to pick up that leaf and I'm going to see if it, if it can do anything. I'm going to try to get some life in it. So what I have here is an in and out water cup literally says that on on the top and i just took this jade leaf that everybody was walking past a janitor no doubt was about to uh sweep it up but inside this leaf is a desire to live so succulents need access to water but too much water will kill them they will actually just dissolve it's a bad thing so In order to get a succulent to reproduce itself, propagate itself, 
you put it near water. And we got a picture we're going to put up here. You see that in front of us right there? This is the bottom of this succulent. And right there are leaves and roots. They are not touching the water, but they are reaching out towards the water. That's a leaf, y'all. This is not a branch. It's just a leaf. It's got like this much life left in it. If you think about that energy, that cellular energy that's inside this plant, do you realize it wants to live so much that it takes this very little amount of cellular energy and uses it to put out Roots, it uses that little bit, that laughable, walk past it in a Walmart, throw it in a trash bag and never think about it again. It uses that little bit of cellular energy to put out life-sustaining roots. All because, somebody tell me, it wants to live. All that limited life. Don't tell me that you're limited Just a little bit is all it takes. Isn't it our Jesus that says, you don't need a whole lot of faith. You just need a faith of uh, uh, the size of a mustard seed, the smallest of the seeds there. And that brings life. Plants want to live. However, we live in Texas, and in February... We had a deep freeze. Somebody say amen. And it affected many of our plants. Sadly, many of my pretty plants are no longer pretty. Somebody say they ugly. Some of them look like lost cause. Totally. It's like, oh my goodness, this one is dead. It's no longer with us. My oak tree lost every leaf. Yeah, my live oak tree, yeah. Uh, My prized hibiscus turned into a stump. My neat bougainvillea looked like a torture victim. Alex can tell you that we actually went out to the front yard and we laid hands on our live oak and we prayed the prayer of faith over our live oak. (laughs) I like plants. Leave me alone. And I want to tell you that slowly but surely over the next several weeks, little leaves started to bud on the end of those branches of that live oak. Although it looked dead, there was still life in it, and there was still a desire to live in it. Even though I could not see it, it was there. And it later I, I took some loppers, those big loppers or pruners to my hibiscus, and it was just painful lobbing off those little branches that put out really beautiful blooms. I mean, just like I I took a lot of time on this and it's just dead. It's dead. I'm like, I'm going to go all the way down to the base of this thing and we'll, we'll just see what happens. But while I'm getting close to the base, I see the tiniest, just minuscule little bump that is green. And I went, whoa, whoa, there's some life left inside this hibiscus. So I cut it even to the ground with this little bit bump of green. 
And guess what? Do we have that picture? Here's our hibiscus shoot uh, a week ago. See that? That was a little green bump, but now it's putting off shoots. We probably won't have flowers this year, but come next year, you just wait and see what my hibiscus does because it wants to live and I am patient to see it bloom. Again, plants want to live. So I've got over here my torture victim. This is the bougainvillea. Everyone say bougainvillea. Oh, thorny bougainvillea. So sad. So sad. This plant's just sad. I loved this plant. Um, It's just a thorny mess. And I was about to carefully just yank it out of the pot. I I was in like a bow mood with it. It's like, how could you betray me like this, bougainvillea? I put you near a lamp and everything. I put LED lights on you during that cold storm. How in the world did you leave me like that? And I'm about to rip it out of there. I'm just going to shake off the dirt and reuse the pot. That's what I'm going to do. But as I am about to rip it out, I see a small little stalk. This about three weeks ago. I see a tiny little stalk. And now you see all that green? I got a bougainvillea. I'm going to cut all this dead away, and I got a plant on my hand because it wants to live. Let me tell you, it's not showroom ready. <laughs> it looks awful, but it you just watch. This plant will bloom again. I have seen my plants fight off disease. I've seen them fight off pests. I've had plants absolutely dug up by a rabbit. Make me on Elmer Fudd's side what they've done to my plants. But I've seen them fight off a drought when I forgot to water them. I've seen, I've seen my plants overcome my own poor decisions. I've seen it. I've seen one of my plants give up. I, I've, no, sorry. I have never seen one of my plants give up. I've never seen one of my plants become depressed. I have never heard one of my plants blame its condition or the circumstance. I have never had one of my plants commit suicide. Never happened. Just plants do one thing. It's all they do. They try to live. Plants want to live. But what about humans? Talked enough about plants. Can I talk about humans for a little bit? What about humans? We showed you the powerful testimony of a man named Kevin Hines, who is one of 19 people to have survived the 200-foot drop from the Golden Gate Bridge, San Francisco, California. Kevin had given up on living. Why is it that humans give up on living? Why is it? Why can't humans reach their roots towards water? And their hearts towards sunlight. Why is it that we surrender so quickly to our circumstance? Why instead of striving to be fruitful. Do we waste our limited energy and resources on excuses? Come on somebody. We waste way too much energy on excuses. Oh my goodness. If we would read the word of God as much as we spend uh, giving our excuses. Right? Oh my goodness. If we would talk to God as much as we talk to ourselves about our own 
excuses. Why instead of all this? Why instead of trying to live? Do we give up? Why is it that we can go through loss and not attempt to put out fresh growth? Everything here went through loss, but it all put out fresh growth. There is a real difference between plants and humans. Plants want to live, but we have all seen humans attempt death. And sometimes, sadly, they succeed. Why is it? God created plants, say amen if I'm right. God created humans, say if I'm right. Amen. Yeah. There have been zero. I've, I've looked at the stats. I've looked Google, Bing, Wikipedia. I've done it all. And I've come back with the stat. There have been zero plant suicides at the Golden Gate Bridge since its construction. Zero plants have climbed over the rail and jumped over the side. Did you know that? That was surprising to me. Yet around 2,000 humans thrown their life away at that beautiful bridge. The word of God tells us why. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free. Somebody say you are free. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Everyone say die. God told Adam that if he ate of the tree of knowledge, he would surely die. In chapter 3, Adam and Eve do just that. They eat of the fruit. But did they die? Did they die? But did they die? I thought about using that meme, but I thought, let's keep a little bit more spiritual. <laughs> but did they die? I want to talk to you about that for a moment. That, that's one thing. I actually remember reading the Bible going, you know, God didn't quite do what he said he was going to do right there. I remember reading it, thinking that, and maybe, maybe you think the same thing. Well, I'll talk to you about it in a second. Genesis chapter 5, verse 5 says, Adam lived 930 years. (laughs) From the time he ate that fruit, he still lived 930 years. And then he died. That's exactly what that verse says. And then he died. It's like he didn't die the moment he ate that fruit. So I'm like, God, what's up with that, huh? You said you're going to die. What? Change your mind. It's like, what's going on there? Adam seems to not die in the garden. Adam and Eve are removed from the garden. Then they proceed to live close to a millennia. Now, we can't understand life. We don't understand death. Got to understand death. Y'all listen. We understand physical death. Physical death is the separation of the soul From the body. When you die physically, your body's there, but you are no longer there at home in the body. Your soul has gone somewhere else. We we tend to understand that. We understand physical death. 
Yet not many of us are aware of spiritual death. Can I talk to you about spiritual death? Spiritual death is more significant than physical death. Spiritual death is the separation of the soul from God. Physical death is the separation of the soul from the body. Spiritual death is the separation of the soul from God. Does that sound scary? It should sound scary. Adam did not experience immediate physical death, but Adam and Eve did experience an immediate spiritual death. Genesis 3 and 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. When Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, when they had, let's use another word, sinned, they experienced a spiritual death. And they were actually separated from God's presence. They didn't realize it, but they desired to hide from God. Remember, spiritual death is your soul being separated from God and his presence. When they heard God approaching, the only thing they could think to do was to hide themselves from God's presence. I would tell you that we, too, will do one of two things. We will either hide from God's presence or we will run to God's presence, which is repentance. Paul describes it this way when talking about those that have gone the way of sin. Ephesians 4.18. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God. He's talking about those that have gone the way of sin. They are separated from what? The life of who? Of God. What is another word from separated from life? Death. They are dead. They are separated from the life of God. They are dead in their spirit. God is a spirit. And when you are separated from the life of his spirit, you are dead spiritually. Do you understand? Somebody say amen if I'm making sense today. When Adam sinned, he was separated from the life of God. Do you realize what a big deal sin is? Listen, we we sing and we preach about grace and I'm so thankful for it. Let me tell you, God is quick to forgive you if you will confess your sins. But let me tell you, don't you think for a moment that sin is no big deal. Sin still separates you from the life of God. When we sin, we are separated from that life source, just like Adam and Eve. And we hide ourselves from God. Yeah, the shame and the fear and the guilt that comes from sin. When we sin, we die spiritually. Sin kills. Somebody say it. Sin kills. Sin is referred to as death in scripture. It says when we were dead in our trespasses and sin. 
Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says that. Sin is death. Sin kills. Sin brings death to everything that is alive. That's what James 1.15 says. Everything that is alive, sin brings death to it. What about your mind? Yep, your mind. Sin will bring death to your mind. Sin will bring death to your heart. It will bring death to your emotions. It will bring death to your relationships. It will bring death to your human spirit, to your human body, and to your human soul. It will bring death to everything. Plants have an advantage over humans. Plants have an advantage over humans. You want to know why plants only seek to live? You want to know why plants never give up? You want to know why they have a perfect streak of never throwing themselves off a bridge? Here it is. Plants have never sinned. Plants have never been knuckleheaded enough to sin against God. That would be us. We're the knuckleheads that would sin against the perfect God of all creation. Oh, to be a plant. Somebody say it. (laughs) They got it so much better than us. I'm so sorry, but it's absolutely true. They've never sinned. Want to know what is wrong with mankind? Want to know why government and politicians always grow corrupt? It'll be all right in four years. We'll change it. Well, uh, yeah, that's going to fix everything, right? Want to know why people give up and curl up inside of a bottle or an addiction? Want Want to know why people do evil? Why is there an increase in suicide at every age? Suicide is even increasing in the age of our children. Little kids are ending their own lives. They're giving up. You want to know why that is? The answer is not political. The answer is not social. The answer is not cultural. It's not economic. The answer is not racial. The answer is not gender specific. The answer is the death that is brought about by sin. That is why. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all plants. No. Death came to all people, because all sin. Verse 14, nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam. Death reigned from the time of Adam. I want to talk to you about the disease of death reigns. Like it or not, death reigns in our world. From the time of Adam to this very moment, death has reigned. What do you think about when I say the word reign? Think about a throne. Think about a crown. I think about somebody with authority. I think about a king. Let me tell you, death is a king over us, over everyone since Adam. Death has reigned. Death will reign over your mind, your heart, your relationships, your spirit, your body, even your soul. Death will tell you what to do, just like a king, like a president, or any. Authority, Romans chapter 5 verse 12 says that sin entered the world through one man and that death has come 
to all people. This sin, this death, is worse than any disease you can think of. We have been quarantining, social distancing, masking, vaccinating from a coronavirus for well over a year. The disease of death has reigned much longer than a year. It's been reigning since Adam. And it has spread to all people. You talk about a disease. The disease of death has spread to all people. Kevin Hines said this after surviving his own suicide. He says people die from suicide just like they die from any other organ disease. Do we perhaps have some diseased organs? Is our heart diseased? Does death reign in your heart, in your emotions? Is your mind diseased? Are our words diseased? Is our marriage diseased? I got to tell you, our marriages have a disease problem when over 50% of marriages end in divorce. Is your spirit diseased? your soul disease I'm telling you a disease people are so serious about other diseases why aren't we serious about the disease of sin death comes to us through deception if I say deception Satan appeared in the garden and he deceived Eve with a lie didn't he this is how sin and death got its foothold Satan has never changed his game plan since that day one. He still deceives us into death. Kevin Hines said in an interview that there was a voice who kept lying to him. The voice would say, no one cares, embrace death. It would say, you are a burden, embrace death. It will be better if you kill yourself. No, 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 don't turn around. Don't talk to someone. Don't pick up the phone. Embrace death instead. He was completely deceived by death. In a way, he was dead long before he jumped off that bridge. Because Kevin picked out the place he would commit suicide. And he felt so good about it. He marked the calendar date where he would kill himself. And he felt so good about it. He woke up every day. And he saw the date that was circled and he felt so good. I'm one day closer to this and that's going to fix everything. He wrote the suicide note. He felt good about it. They're going to find it. I've got it right here on my desk. And he kept it right. He thought every day about his suicide and it made him feel good. It made him feel like, yes, this is what is best for me. He said goodbye to his parents, and he did it in such a way that they didn't know he was saying goodbye to them. But he felt so good about it. He rode the bus to the bridge, and he, at every moment, felt good about this journey to the bridge. He walked that bridge, and he walked up. And he walked down and he found no reason to not go through it. 
And without zero remorse, without zero sadness, without zero anger, he flung himself 200 feet off the golden gate. These are his words. He says, the millisecond my hands left the rail, it was an instant regret. No one's going to know that I didn't want to die. I want to tell you, Satan is a cruel deceiver. He's a deceiver, but he's actually just cruel with it. He's not one to just kill. He's one to stab and then twist that knife. He deceived Kevin day after day and moment after. When he thought about suicide and he felt good, that was deception. When he wrote it on his calendar, that was the devil deceiving. When he felt good about his suicide note, that was a lie from the from the pits of hell. When he said goodbye to his parents, that was Satan at work having deceived him. When he walked that bridge for the last time and felt no reason and no remorse and no sadness, it was absolutely 100% deception of Satan. Because death comes from deception. Ever since the garden, it's been his game. And yet, I want you to get this, in Satan's final act of cruelty, the moment that Kevin has passed from being able to grab a hold of that rail. Kevin has passed that moment of no return and is now falling helplessly towards his end. It is at this moment that Satan truly lifts the deception. And Kevin now feels regret. Kevin now sees the true reality. And now everything inside of Kevin says, I want to live. Do you see that deception? Do you see how it was lifted? And do you see that that was the devil laughing at poor Kevin? Oh. It is only then that Satan lifts the lie and Kevin thinks, I don't want to die. Satan has been doing this ever since Adam and when he took that fruit, when Adam took that fruit, Under that deception, they felt no remorse. Under that deception, they felt no sadness. But once they had done it, he lifts the deception. They get a good look at what they've done. And now they realize, what have we done? I don't want to live this way. I don't want to be this way. I don't want to be shameful and naked. I believe that he has done this, Satan. I believe he's done this to everyone who has embraced death. I believe in those final moments, they all felt what Kevin felt when his body traveled 200 feet in four seconds. I believe that the person in that millisecond after they have pulled the trigger, I believe they felt the same thing. I believe that person as their body is seizing 
as they have over-medicated themselves and they have overdosed, I believe that they are thinking the same thing. I believe the person, every person that's ever thrown themselves off an abyss, I believe they've all felt the exact same thing. Because I'm telling you, this is exactly how the devil works. This is exactly what death is. It is exactly what sin is. And it has come to all people. It's come to every one of them. Death has come to every one of them. It's come to me. I have a question for you today. I'd like to title this sermon this question. Dead or alive? Are you diseased by sin in your heart? In your mind? Your spirit? Are your soul? Are you? Are you deceived by Satan? Are you embracing death? Are you looking for life? Are you? Peace? Joy? But are you looking for it in dead things? Dead things like materialism, the whole world is. Humanism, sin, are you looking for it in religion? Do you keep going back to sin? Are you in the merry-go-round of sin? You know those revolving doors? I sin, I repent, I sin, I repent, I sin, I repent, I sin. And you repent and sin on the same day, in the same hour keep going back to the addiction? Do you keep going back to death? Are you dead or are you alive? Adam ate the fruit, but what God said was absolutely true. The moment he partook of sin, Adam died. That very moment, don't you mistake it. He still has a pulse in his body. His lungs are still moving outward and inward. But make no mistake, he died the moment he partook of sin. So do we. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20. But Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also a man for as in Adam all die so in Christ all will be made alive but each in turn Christ the first fruits. then when he comes those who belong to him for more information about redemption look us up online at redemption-church.com we want to hear from you so be sure to connect with us on Facebook Twitter or even our anonymous question text line at 214-856-0550. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.